It's time for the Katie's Tech Podcast. My name is Jason Johnson, and this is episode 16 of the Katie's Tech Podcast, recorded June 24th, 2014. This is the Katie's Tech Podcast, the show where I go over the news stories of the day, usually technology-related, that catch my eye. They may not be the biggest news stories or the most popular, just the ones that I find most interesting. Newswise, we're kind of in the lull. Tomorrow kicks off Google's I.O. keynote, and before all these major company keynotes, there's usually a little bit of slack in the news as everything kind of preps and winds up for the big announcements that Google will release tomorrow. They did have a couple of um, kind of pre-conference releases that were kind of interesting. Google released an update for their suite of applications. It's called Glassware. And they're the apps that are really associated and used with their Google Glass glasses. If anybody's not seen that, it's actually a pair of glasses that have a camera, a little computer stuff built into it, a little display that you can see on the glass, and a um, microphone and everything. And through voice interactions and other methods of control, you can actually run different programs and applications, do stuff on the display. It's not like a full computer display, but it's a pretty simplified display. But it gives people a way to record video and photographs and and just kind of have a news source right there on their face. So kind of an update was released for that suite of applications. So it's probably just more preparation for some announcements that will be made tomorrow. So that does kind of tip their hand that there will be some glass-related or at least something that affects the glass suite of applications released tomorrow. Um, so that's pretty much all you really have for the keynote. The rumors are still swirling, but glass was kind of the big, glassware was kind of the only update that kind of referenced that. Google did release an API for the Nest suite of hardware, and that's, I don't know if, if you didn't know, Google purchased Nest. Nest is known for the Nest thermostat they released a year or so ago. It's a couple years now. And that's like a smart home thermostat that can be uh, controlled through the Internet, accesses the Internet through Wi-Fi, and does a lot of um, updates and just, you know, basically a smart home type thermostat. You can log in and set it. It can check the time. That kind of, just a lot of Internet connected, and Internet of Things connectivity. And they've come out with a, smoke alarm that works similar it ties into the whole ecosystem so Google is really building their smart home initiative and the API that's come out will be a way for programmers to kind of build into that ecosystem so they announced that today and that may reference more smart home and internet of things announcements to come at the keynote and then the other well the next piece that they kind of introduced was that very quietly, they didn't make a big deal about it, but Google did make public their um, domain registration system. So anybody who wants to register a domain can do that through Google. Most people are familiar with the process if you want a www, not even a www, excuse me, the, the something.com or something.org or net or any of the new ones that have come out you go to a domain registrar and you register the domain and you own it. For example, Katie's Tech is registered and I can point it wherever, do whatever with that domain name. So Google has now joined the GoDaddies and the Namecheaps and the uh, Hovers and 
all the other registration companies of the world with their service. They've had this for a long time. I think they've said 10 years now or more internal, but they've actually made it public. You can actually go and purchase it through Google. Now, like I said, it's a quiet announcement. Not really sure if it ties into the keynote at all, but there is that. And the last piece of Google news that was kind of interesting is that they have announced they're going to do their own version of SSL. This is a totally behind-the-scenes, non-technical people will never see it type thing. But if you're familiar with the Heartbleed worm, an issue, it was a bug. I guess I shouldn't call it a worm. It was a Heartbleed bug that made the news a little while back. And there's, I, th- I think I said yesterday, there's like 300,000 site servers still having issues with it. It was actually a bug in the OpenSSL, which is the method of securing your website certificates. And it's, it's the security mechanism. It's an open source SSL variety. And it's used by a lot of people because it is open source. But I'm sure it's related to this. What Google has been doing is they've been taking OpenSSL and putting the changes that they need on top of each version of OpenSSL as it's released. So OpenSSL would come out with a new version. Google would apply their changes that they have to have to make all their stuff work because they've got custom code. And that's what they're using. Well, I don't know if it's directly related to Heartbleed or if they just got tired of making all the changes that they have to make. But Google has officially forked OpenSSL, and they're calling it Boring SSL, as in, you know, hopefully it'll be boring them with as far as the number of issues they experience with it. And that's what Google's going to be running. And I'm guessing they'll probably make it available. Maybe not. Maybe too Googleified. Too many custom changes. I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. So Google's using their own SSL version. They're no longer going to be using the open SSL change. Again, not something that anybody will actually see on the front end, but it may be a good thing security-wise for Google. So that kind of wraps up the Google news. Like I said, it's... It, I said we're in the lull before. There's a lot of little things they've, they've kind of come out with today just in preparation probably for the keynote. But the big news that all the outlets will pick up and that consumers will actually be interested in will be tomorrow. Microsoft made the news a little bit because they today because they debuted their new phone through Nokia. Microsoft, a little while back, purchased the Nokia brand of uh, mobile phones, their, their actual mobile device division. They didn't buy the entire company of Nokia because it still exists as a, it's a foreign company. It's not non-American based. But Microsoft did buy their entire mobile devices departments and, and manufacturing and everything. So Nokia, as far as mobile devices and phones, is completely Microsoft. It's their in-house brand, basically. But what makes this announcement really interesting is that the first phone that's come out through from Nokia since Microsoft acquired them and the process has been complete was announced, or, or, and it'll make its debut in, in, it made its debut in February, but the first one was came out, it's called the Nokia X. Well, that came out kind of before the, the purchase was finalized. But the successor to that, the Nokia X2, was announced today. And what's really weird about it is that it's actually an Android phone. So it'll be available, it's only available in European markets right now. It's a 4.3 inch phone. 99 pounds, which equates to like $135 US. Like I said, running Android, it's got a 1.2 gigahertz processor for any of the kind of the, the phone specs, uh, one gig of RAM, battery, etc. But 
the, the big news to me is that it's running Android. You would expect a Microsoft phone to be running a Microsoft phone operating system, but that's not the case. And I'm, I'm assuming it's because this product was already in the pipeline and they just wanted to go ahead, really didn't have a choice but to ship it as is. And you won't see this happen very often in the future as Microsoft gains more control over the Nokia facilities and the, the product pipeline. And they did skin it. So if you look at the phone and just glance at it, pick it up and glance at it, it looks like a Windows phone. But what they've done is they've just put a, a appearance, a skin on it to make it look that way, but it's really a full Android phone just like any other Android phone. And the apps come from the, the Android app stores and everything else. So kind of a, a weird scenario with Microsoft's Nokia division releasing a Google Android phone. <laughs> How many company names can we fit in there? On the, the portable device front, but in a separate story, Pebble has announced that they're partnering with um, the Misfit brand of activity trackers to uh, be able to use the, the Pebble mobile phone, uh, mobile phone, sorry, mobile watch with their Misfit apps. And the Pebble's been able to do similar stuff for a while. I think RunKeeper and a couple other of the health apps work with the Pebble. But this is the first one they've actually officially endorsed was my understanding. I'm not really sure what the difference is. They all probably work about the same. And what the Pebble is, if you hadn't heard of it, it's it was a, a crowdfunded smartwatch that was really, it actually came out I guess close to a year ago in its first form. It's been improved upon since then. But basically they went on Kickstarter, raised the money that way, and then developed the device. It wasn't done by a major company. So it's a little rough around the edges. It's, I think it's become kind of a little more cleaned up and, and polished, but it's, it's very kind of interesting. It's a limited smartwatch. I guess is how you could look at it, but they, the, they seem to be expanding the apps, and this partnership's just one more advancement for that. And just because you can't have a day of news without Apple, they're kind of making the news for their rumored watch as every all the rumors continue to circulate on that. Again, really, October's what everybody's saying, so you probably won't see anything definite until then, and I'm not really going to touch a lot of those rumors unless something that looks more official comes out. But... A little more news on the next version of the iPhone, and it's still rumor, nothing concrete. Of course, you won't have anything concrete until Apple officially announces it. But from what I understand and what everybody's saying is it's pretty definite that Apple will um, begin mass production of the new iPhones. I think I heard October or September. I think it's September, actually. They're actually lining up the production companies and getting ready for that. What I made note of this story because I thought it was kind of funny the way they worded the, the article and the headline because it was being the, the new iPhone uh, 6, as they're calling it, was being touted as the largest iPhone Apple's ever made. Well, if they increase the size at all, I mean, it could be a millimeter larger screen over the iPhone 5S, which of course is the same four factor as the 5, which was larger than the 4. It'll, of course, be the largest phone Apple's ever made because currently the 5S is the largest one they've ever made. And so any increase in size will be the largest phone they've ever made. I, I, that, that headline, I just caught my eye, and I thought it was pretty humorous. But uh, I, I think at this point people are just trying to make up stories to keep Apple phones and watches in the news. 
while that you got to go through the slow news cycle until a new product actually gets announced. Personally, I'd like to see a lot more information on the, the betas and the upcoming operating systems, but everybody's hung up on the phones and the watches, so that's what you're going to see make the news. And I wanted to wrap up today with a little bit more space news. I don't know if anybody follows the SpaceX program, they've had a rough weekend. They had a launch scheduled for Saturday, and it had some issues and didn't, didn't go off like they wanted. They tried it again Sunday, and I think weather messed them up. They were going to try again Monday, and I think they had went, actually the technical issue reoccurs. So I think they've kind of tabled the launch for a little bit until they can get the bugs, whatever the, the actual issue was, hardware-wise or sensor-wise or whatever the actual problem that stalled them was, completely worked out before they keep trying and failing to have a successful launch. So, I think the first week of July is what they're shooting for, and there'll be more news released on that as it draws closer to that time frame. And while we're speaking of space, uh, it is the technically one-year anniversary for the Mars Curiosity rover having been on Mars. Now, that may seem like a familiar story if you remember hearing about the fact that the one-year anniversary was a little while back, but that's because this is the one-year mars anniversary. It's the one-year Mars time. Mars has successfully completed one orbit, so it's been one year on Mars since the rover's been there because, of course, Mars being farther out, it takes longer to go around. So our year went quicker than theirs, but um, there you have it. You know, Mars Curiosity rover, it's on Mars, so it's been one year their time on Mars. So that wraps up the stories for today. I wanted to finish on an interesting, funny note, so I'll stop there. And I'll be back next time with another edition of the Katie's Tech Podcast.